I'm delighted to say that our guest today is, is Tony Saunders. Uh, Tony is one of the world's greatest uh, bass players and an incredible musician and with a great life story. Uh, and uh, not the least, born into uh, music royalty. He's the son of Merle Saunders. Tony, welcome to our podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh, our, our pleasure. Uh, I, I, there's so much to talk about. I'm not sure where to start, but but I know you're you're currently on on the jazz charts. Uh, let's start with your what you're doing currently. Tell us about your your hit records. Well, currently, um, I, I'm signed to Baja TSR Records, and um, I have a smooth jazz record out. And it, in 2022, it was the third most played CD. And um, I'm I've been able to translate those laurels into a lot of jobs and uh you know this is my fifth record of smooth jazz so i've been doing it for about 11 years and between that and playing the music of my dad and jerry garcia you know it it, it involved it lets me have a good career and um, i've been able to bounce back from the COVID shutdown days yeah well definitely stretch stretch you in both directions with the with smooth jazz and uh and, and the Grateful Dead catalog. Yeah, there's there's not many people that that say they can play trucking and smooth jazz stuff, no. but I can. You know, oh. it's pretty cool. Well, you know, I grew up around. I grew up. You know, I was born in the city, and I grew up on Page and Ashbury. So I saw that whole whole evolution of turning that quiet Catholic neighborhood into the Haight Ashbury as we know it today, which is full of hippies and a lot of other stuff. But all of those groups came there. Um, you know, it's it's ironic. All of those groups, the Airplane, the Grateful Dead, uh, a lot of solo acts, you know. And um, what's really funny is, is that when I was in high school, I used to rehearse at the Airplane House because I met wow. uh, Jack Cassidy. And so I used to rehearse my high school band there. And, um, and then, of course, my dad in 69 started playing with Jerry Garcia. So my grandmother, before 69, my grandmother, they always played in the music in the park in the panhandle, right? All those groups, right? And uh, my grandmother would call the police and say, hey, can you get them to stop the music? After eight o'clock, my kids got to go to sleep. And then <laughs> in 1969, those groups, well, Jerry Garcia, who was one of those groups, was in my garage rehearsing and, and she's feeding them chicken. So, you know, times changed and... And uh, it was great to grow up in the 60s. And ironically, a lot of those groups that played in the Panhandle, I, I got to play with. I mean, I got to play with Crosby, Stills and Nash. I got to play with uh, with the Grateful Dead. I got to play with, with the guys in Hot Tuna, with Yorma. And uh, Yorma, well, when Jack would get mad at Yorma, I got to play. <laughs> no, when Yorma, yeah, yeah, when Yorma would get mad at Jack, I got to play with Hot Tuna. Because um, for a while, my friend Bob Steeler was the drummer and he played with my dad also but he also played with hot tuna and so i would just go hang out with them and yorma liked me a lot and yorma still comes to my gig sometimes because he liked to watch my development so when him and jack were having a little skirmish i get to be over there at yorma's house playing hot tuna music it was pretty cool so wow. and then i've also played you know with a lot of those groups that i that i heard when i was a kid i even got to play i didn't get to play with Jimi hendrix but I played with everybody else that was in his bands. Buddy uh, Miles, Noel Redding, uh, Mitch Mitchell, uh, and 
And yeah, and I, no red, yeah, no redding, buddy miles. I just haven't played with Billy Cox. Actually, Billy wow. Cox gave me a couple of gigs that he didn't want to do. Um, that was, uh, 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 in fact, Bob, it was a guy that lived, used to live by you, Randy Hansen. Okay. Um, I with, with his uh, band of gypsies, we, we did the United States, and it was pretty cool. And I got to play with Buddy Miles, which was, which was pretty cool. Wow. No, no, Buddy, I love Buddy. Buddy was very, was very cool. Uh, and, and Randy, for those who don't know, was uh, sort of considered the foremost uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, impersonator or in interpreter. Uh, so that's all very cool. Very cool. It was great to watch. He would be looking at the screens of Jimmy Hendrix going, that's me. He would always crack me up, you know. And I and I spent a lot of time around Mitch Mitchell. Oh, my God. Mitch Mitchell was pretty crazy. Um, but, he, but he's a good drummer. And we had a lot of fun. So so let me ask you a, 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 a politic question. I mean, politic question. You played with Yorma. You played with... Uh, you played with... Uh, uh, and we're, we're getting a little bit of echo there. I'm not, I'm not sure where, but uh, uh, who's, the, who's your favorite guitar player that you've played with? Um, you know, I played with so many. They, they, you know, of course, Jerry Garcia is up there at the top. And, uh, man, but I played with Eric Clapton. Um, I played with, uh, with uh, you know, Yorma's great. Um, I play with David Crosby and, and the stuff that they do with the, with that group um, is is great. Um, you know, uh, a guy that, that plays in that with Crosby um, before he passed away, uh, Jeff Pivar. He's like one of my favorite guitar players. Um, you know, and uh, you know, there, there's just there's so many good guitar players. Just like there's so many great bass players, but there's there's a, those would probably be some of my favorites that I play with. And of course, I like George Benson. You know, and I like John McLaughlin, John McLaughlin, you know, and I've just seen some some incredibly studious guitar players that were like off the charts and they're all like super famous. And I've been lucky enough to play with a few of them, you know, and it, it's really, really turned my head and made me practice more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, John, John McLaughlin is kind of like at the heights of the whole jazz experience. I've seen him multiple times uh, playing with Carlos. He's from another planet. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's incredible. I know the bass player that played, one of my favorite bass players, um, um, I can see his face, but I can't say his name right now. But he played in Mahavishnu with uh, when he was like a teenager. Um, Ralph Ar Ralph Armstrong was his name. Ralph Armstrong played in Ma Mahavishnu with uh, with uh, Narda Michael Walden, and and wow. Ralph is like he's one of my favorite bass players. He's wow. really cool, you know, really great. I mean, you know, and just really nice, and he's a nice guy. But at 18 years old, he's playing like. In Mahavishnu, and that's not that's not simple music. Um, yeah. You know, um, I I've gotten to play and be around some of the best people because, um, like George Benson, I remember when he came to my house because when I was born, it was it was kind of like towards the end of segregation in the clubs, right? And so in the fifties, so I got to be in Peggy Sue got married because they wanted to use the group Pride and Joy, which had both races in it. But back back when that movie 
the time period, there wasn't groups like that. You know what I mean? So I got to be in the movie because of that. They wanted to use Pride and Joy, but they, they couldn't because it didn't fit the time period. And so all the black musicians, when they were coming to San Francisco, they all stayed at the same hotel. They all played the same clubs and they all played at my dad's jam session, which was uh, every Sunday morning at Jackson Sutter Street. And, um, and so I got to meet Miles, uh, George Benson, uh, Herbie, Hancock, you know, all these guys, they would come to my dad's house and hang to my house and hang out with my dad because he had, he was holding down the jam session and he was one of the, you know, great musicians of San Francisco. So, you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, my life was, was, uh, you know, I was born into celebrityism and my dad, you know, every, you know, getting to be around, some people don't want to do a job like their dad, but, but I always wanted to be a musician, you know, cause you know, I've been around my dad. I'll be around these guys. I didn't know they were famous. It was, it was just Jerry. Mike was just Mike Bloomfield. You know, Mike Bloomfield was just Mike, uncle Mike, you know, um, and Jerry was uncle Jerry. You know, we didn't, we didn't know. I didn't realize that these guys were the, the epitome of being famous in rock and roll. So it was, it was kind of a great thing to be born, to be born into and to be in San Francisco in the height of the Haight-Ashbury and the hippies, you know, at 10 years old, that I was 10 years old in 1965. So all of a sudden the girls came with see-through shirts, no bras. It was, it was like, I was 10 years old. I didn't know why my body was reacting, but I know that I wanted to go up there and, look, and, and hang out on Haight Street. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, yeah, yeah, so it was like, you know, didn't have to look at my mom's Cosmo Tales Hall or Playboy magazine, because you could just go up on Haight Street, you could see everything right there. You know, it was, just, it was amazing. And before Haight-Ashbury, that was a quiet Catholic neighborhood. You know, I went to St. Agnes, you know, it was really a quiet neighborhood. You could go to the store and sign for stuff, you know, it was like, it was like the old days. And your grandmother would come pay the bill on the weekends. You know, so it was pretty cool. So it was a great introduction to music. Um, I never wanted to do anything else, but uh, I, th I wanted to play pro football. That's probably, but I wasn't, I wasn't big enough. And, and back then they didn't draft guys five, nine, they wouldn't even, you know, look at them, you know, but, but, you know, did, my, you life, play, hasn't, uh, did you play my life hasn't in, turned out so bad. Did, did you play football in high school and college? Yeah, yes, I did. But I got, I got offered a job, um, in the first year that I went to college, I got offered a job with Dr. John. And so wow. I, had a I had, and I was 18, wow. right? So I had a choice, play a job, you know, with some friends, Ronnie Barron was the keyboard player. And he said, hey, Tony, do you want to come audition for Dr. John? I was like, yeah, you know, and it was my first job away from my dad. And it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So I played with Dr. John when he had that song. I was in the right place, but it must've been the wrong time. 300 a week when I was 18 years old was a lot. Of wow. Wow. Okay, I got a question for you. I uh, mentioned high school. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting was uh, that Johnny was in your dad's band. Did you meet Johnny? Did you meet Johnny? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 but this, I'll keep this really short. So I went to Washington High School. Same high school as Johnny Mathis, right? So 
um, there was a, a restaurant that we all hung out at called Knutson's, which was down on um, Clement Street. And we all, like, if we cut class, that's where we went to Knutson's, right? So one day I cut class and I was hanging out and this older guy um, was coming from, there used to be a Safeway right across from Knutson. This older guy was struggling with his bags. And so I went across the street and I helped him. I pushed his cart to his house, right? And when I went in his house, I looked up on the wall and there was a picture of my dad and Johnny Mathis. And I'm going like, wow, that's my dad. And, 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 and the guy went, you're Merle's son? And I said, yeah, that's my dad. And he said, I'm Johnny's dad. So wow. I had Johnny's dad, didn't know wow. it. You know what I mean? I had helped him, you know, and then, and then yes, of course, my dad was the first person ever to hire Johnny Mathis in a band. And uh, Johnny, I went, we went down and recorded with him one time at A&M, at A&M Studios in LA. We recorded like four, we spent a day recording with them. It was, it was absolutely awesome. And he recorded a, a song, uh, it was a Chris Hayes song, Chris Hayes and my dad's song. He recorded one of my dad's songs, one of Chris Hayes' songs, and it, it was pretty good. It was a great day. Um, it was a great day to be around him, his atmosphere, um, being at A&M Studios. I got to see Charlie Chaplin's footprints. You know what I mean? There was, wow. he, his, hand, his foot was as big as my hand. You know, so, so, you know, and Johnny, Johnny came up and spoke at my dad's memorial service. And, um, you know, he, he had nothing but nice things to say. I have a picture in my office of my dad sitting in the car with, it's my dad, my mom, Johnny, and then the bass player sitting in the back, you know, um, and the sax player sitting in the back. They were on their way to a gig, but they were a really good band. They won a, a band of the year in San Francisco and they got their, uh, there when they won, they got to play with Lionel Hampton. So I got a picture of my dad playing with Lionel Hampton and Johnny, you know, from back when they were teenagers. And so you must know this about Johnny. Johnny still holds the record for the long jump. And I think the high, the long jump at my high school, because he could have been a professional long jumper. He could have went to the Olympics or he could have been a singer. He had that choice. You know what I mean? But he still has the record at my high school. For the long jump, and and you know it's 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 well over twenty feet, you know. So he was wow. really good at wow. he was really good at, at track, and he was nice. I mean, when I met him, he was the super nice guy. You know, of course I of course I knew who he was, and um, you know it was, it was pretty cool. That's a great story. Uh, that's 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 awesome. Let me ask you one thing. I want to get to. Uh, you know, you you play your own music. You also play a bunch of the dead stuff. I'm noticing that the clubs and the theaters are full of, of tribute bands, cover bands. Uh, do you think, uh, and, and, and you think, you know, tell me that all people want to go see the stuff they already know. Do you think there's music for me? Or is it you know, You know, it's really tough because people want familiarity. Um, especially in music. I always record a cover song on, uh, on my, my smooth jazz stuff. You know what I mean? And I've been playing the music of my dad and Jerry since I was 14 years old. I'm 57 now, and people know if I change anything on those songs. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, one of the biggest making band, one of the highest paid bands in the Bay Area is Pride and Joy. 
you know, and, and they don't do nothing but play. Uh, they play Motown covers. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so people like familiarity. Um, and I tried to play on my newest, on my new album, I covered a Whitney Houston song, you know, and, uh, but I don't mind that. I just, I just remember what my dad was striving for. My dad and Jerry, they always were reaching for it. They weren't just playing the cover song. They were playing the cover song, but then they were adding themselves into it. So with Keystone Revisited, I like add, 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 uh, add stuff into it. And it's really funny because on my jazz gig, I have one friend, um, he's like one of my best friends and um, he knows about, and he likes both musics, right? He likes Tony's jazz and Tony, uh, Tony uh, playing the dead stuff. So in the middle of a solo, while I'm playing the jazz stuff, I'll go into Jimi Hendrix, uh, Jimi Hendrix lick, right? And only he'll know the jazz people, they're just sitting there, they won't know it. But my friend is like cracking up because um, his name is Paul. Paul Paul is cracking up because he knows that I'm just playing a Jimi Hendrix lick, you know, to one of his songs and mixing it in. So I like to reach for it because that's what I was taught at the beginning. You know, I wish people would uh, come to see origi more original music, and they do. They come out and place big money to see the smooth jazz stuff and to see all the great, the Dave Causes, the Brian Culbertson, Gerald Albright. You know, they, they pay big money, and those guys make big money, the group foreplay. I mean, that's that's 50 grand for one show, yeah. you know, to see them, to, p yeah. to pay for them, you know, so it's good money. I'm just glad that people come to see me, and I'm glad that they appreciate the new music as well as the old music. But I don't forget to play the old music too, because people want familiarity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. People always ask me, well, well, what did you learn from Jerry? I learned to, and my dad, I learned to reach for it. Don't just, don't just be status quo. You know what I mean? Um, I have a tough time when people copy people's music so like they have all those Grateful Dead tribute bands and they'll say, we're playing September 11th, 1967. What if they were having a bad night that night? <laughs> <laughs> and you're copying it and, and putting it into your vocabulary of music like it was the greatest thing on earth. So therefore I'm always playing, I'm, trying, I'm always reaching for it. You know what I mean? So, and because one time, um, so I used to stand always by my dad so since I could play, keep, I went to the conservatory before I played bass, um, I played piano and so I would stand by my dad's left hand and watch if I, if I got lost, I just look at his left hand and I know where to go. Okay. But there was this one time I had to stand on the other side of the stage where the bass player usually stood, John Kahn, and we played this song, Pennies from Heaven. I didn't know it, None, I made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, after mistake, you know? And so at the end of the song, I said, Jerry, I'm really sorry. You know, I just didn't know that song and I'm not standing by my dad. So I couldn't look at his left hand. He said, don't worry about it. We'll play another song now and you'll be great. You know, so I, I took that, you know, where I was like so embarrassed that I made so many mistakes. And I think it's on YouTube too. It's like, oh, man. you know what I mean? I'm just making mistake after mistake. But then, you know, for him to just tell me, you know, there's another song to play and you got to be good on this one. You know what I mean? I know that you'll be better on this one because I know you know this song. You know, and then we played a song that I knew and, you know, I killed it. And, um, you know, 
and I'm still here and able to talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned the Keystone. One of my favorite memories uh, we had is uh, he, me, George Elvin, and one of the guys who owned Royal Valentine's Day. We, we shared a birthday. And for a few years, we got to have a party at one of the Keystones. And uh, your dad would be there. Sometimes Selvin would show up. Uh, and there'd be a jam because your dad always hosted the best jams. Uh, and some of my, my favorite birthdays were, were the ones I got to share with your dad. Hey, that's cool. So, Bob, your birthday is, is Valentine's Day, too? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's way cool. And one of my grandson's birthdays is Valentine's Day. You, Bob, uh, Freddie Herrera, Joel Selvin, you know, that that's pretty cool. And my dad, you know, it's pretty cool that you guys all have that Valentine's Day birthday. Yeah, those the the parties on Valentine's Day were really special. We're actually going to uh, Keystone Revisit is going to Colorado February 8th and play a special Valentine's Day show in Colorado, um, in Buena Vista, Colorado. And uh, I'm really excited to do that and to play that music. I couldn't remember if it was Bobby Corona or Freddie Herrera. No, it was Freddie Herrera. Freddie Herrera. Yeah, Freddie Herrera. And you know what's really funny about that? Um, Freddie Herrera and my dad, they both have sons. Freddie had a son my age, you know what I mean? And Joel I've known since I was a young kid. You know what I mean? So it's 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 pretty ironic that all of these people, all you guys would get together and celebrate birthday. That's pretty awesome. It, it was great when we get when we discovered that uh, well well we got a party together, you know. So. Mark? Yeah. I'm leaving you yeah, that's out here. Uh no, I'm I'm just worried because every time I talk I get that um echo chamber thing going. I, I don't know how my audio is, if it's playing properly, but uh, Tony, I noticed on Facebook, you yeah, are, I can hear you. I can hear you. you have a uh, show at uh, 5 p.m., the Tony Sanders show. Do you want to promote that? Um, which show is that? Oh, my, my radio show? Yeah. yeah. You have, you have it oh, featured yeah. on your Facebook page. So I, I, have a, I have a Spotify channel. Um, I have a Pandora channel, Tony Saunders Radio, and then I also have my own show, which is on Worldwide Jazz Radio, all jazz, all the time. You can see the Tony Saunders show every Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. New York time. So, you know, it, it's really a good show. I play some of the music that I like, and I play a lot of Tony Saunders music. <laughs> but I, it's Worldwide Jazz Radio all jazz all the time worldwide jazz radio.com and do, um, every day at 5 p.m pacific standard time go ahead mark do, do you remember uh jazzbo from k jazz oh yeah um i used to work at a restaurant he was in there pretty much every morning in his uh overall suit that he wore and everything one of the sweetest nicest people i've ever come across but I had another question for you. I saw on your Facebook page, and I'm guessing it's an article about your father, uh, the prince kind of yellow on it, but off to the right of it, it says Trident Management. So was that uh, Frank Werber of the Trident in Sausalito? 
Yeah. I he was Trident management. My, I used to, my dad used to work at the Trident. Yeah, my dad played there every Sunday afternoon. At the Trident. At the Trident. Wow. Just a wow. young kid. And we go there, hear music. And, um, you know, I met Al Jarreau there when I was young, because uh -huh. Al Jarreau was there. And, uh -huh. um, and uh, uh, yeah, and then it was funny because later in my dad, when he was in his 60s, he played there again. But I, we used to go to every, every Sunday afternoon he would play. And that's after he played the jam session in the morning at, at Jack's, um, which was from 6 to 10. Then go to church, then he'd go to the Trident. You know, it's pretty amazing. My dad and his stamina, I'll, I'll never be able to compete with that. Because the reason why I didn't play with him all the time was because he toured too much. And I had kids and I wanted to be with my kids. And, um, you know, up until when he got sick, he had a stroke. Um, he was still doing like 100 and something days, 160 days on the road, you know. And he was in his 70s. And I was like, whoa. But, but luckily, he hired me to play on all his records. He thought I was good enough to do that. And um, whenever I needed a job, if I really called him and said, Dad, I don't know work, he would say, okay, come back to the, to, to the group. <laughs> you know, That's the beautiful. Bass, Absolutely the beautiful. I knew all the bass players he hired, you know, and so they, they, they knew that they were, if I wanted to come back, that, that my dad would let me come back. So, but so we always stayed on a friendly thing. But my dad, you know, what, what, a, what, a, what a way to introduce your kid you know, I remember riding in the back of a van on the organ. I got his organ sitting right here, but I would ride on the organ up to Lake Tahoe because we'd be crammed in there. The, all the musicians would be there. And I'm like on laying on the organ underneath by where the organ pedals go, you know, not looking out the window. I'm just lying there waiting till for three and a half hours till we get from San Francisco to Tahoe. But those are some of the most precious times. You know, I got to hear talk about guitar players he had this guy named Junius Simmons playing with them. Spectacular. Um, you know, John Bishop, this guy from Chicago, he showed me some stuff on bass too. You know, John White, who was the first guy who ever showed me something on bass. Um, he was a guitar player with my dad. These guys were all incredible musicians and I got to be around them. Um, I, I had a radio show on Sly Stone show. Wow. Um, and um, when Sly Stone was on KDIA, because Sly Stone would come to my dad and say, Merle, what do you think I should do? You know, I'm starting to get famous in the music. You think I should go and play with my group? And my dad was like, yes. <laughs> you know, because it's funny, because as much as we know Sly Stone, they were at the top for only two and a half years. But they were making their, their music still resonates. And some of them are iconic uh, pieces of uh, the American culture now. That's great. Yep, that's that's true. I, I had a question about your dad's organ sitting next to you. Is that the same organ they made you um, climb up the stairs with? Stairs with? Yeah, yeah. I had to move that organ. Yes, I moved it all my childhood. That's how I, I moved his organ, Jimmy Smith's organ, uh, Richard Groove Holmes' organ, all up these steps at these clubs in San Francisco. Because and it was before the dolly. <laughs> you know, so you just had. And hold and hold it. You know now they have dollies on them, so it's easy. You can lift it up and put it down. But back then you just had to grab it. And there was this club in San Francisco called the Upper Room. Downstairs was the playpen, and upstairs was the Upper Room when you made it. And it was 300 people. So all of those guys played in the Upper Room. And John, Jimmy, 
Jimmy Smith was like one of my play godfathers. And Jimmy Smith would always like mess with me. Um, Sly Stone, just once, Sly Stone, while I remember this, gave me an organ when I was 10 years old. Because I was oh, wow. playing, they all thought I was going to be a keyboard player. Because I, because I, you got, you got your bass yeah. guitar from uh, Tom Fogarty's brother, Tom Fogarty. Yeah, yeah, Tom Fogarty gave me my my first uh, Fender bass. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I've been around royalty all my life. You know, of course, when I started getting serious about music, the first thing that I ever played on won an Emmy. It was this piece called Soul Is, which I did with my dad. My dad told me exactly what to play, and it won an Emmy. It was a PBS special about the kids in Oakland, uh, the kids in Oakland grammar school. They were young kids and they were doing poetry, little black kids doing poetry. It was called Soul Is. And then I didn't win another Emmy until about five years ago when I won one for the TV series, Digital Journey. And, um, you know, so, so being on the edge of this stuff, you know, with my dad, my dad showed me so much stuff, everything that I know how to do is because of my dad. I'm just a little bit faster because I'm the next generation. And so my greatest thing was I'm lying in bed one one Thursday or Friday morning, and my dad calls me and goes, I say, Dad, what's up? And he says, hey, Tony, um, I got a favor to ask you. I said, what? He said, I need you to produce me. I'm going like, for real? <laughs> you know, and so my dad, I produced his, one of his solo records, Meridian Dreams. And it, the toughest thing was, I'm sitting there in fantasy studios. My dad plays the hell out of this thing. And I'm going like, I didn't feel the emotion from it. And I go, can you do that one more time, dad? I just, uh, for me, you know what I'm saying? Because I just didn't feel it. And he did it one more time. And and the, that track was, he loved it and I loved it. It was great. But my dad called me to produce him. That means that I had approval. You know yeah, what I mean? I and and then, we, then, we, then we wrote a song together um, called uh, The Grass is Greener. Yeah, yeah, The Grass is Greener. And um, and he had me add a section to it. And, and there's, a, I have it on record, Mavis Staples and my dad sang it. And, uh, you know, I remember him recording Mavis in Chicago. And he was like so excited. He called me, hey, Tony, Mavis, Mavis just sang, listen to our song. You know, those kind of moments, you know, I could never, what can I say? You know, my, my dad showed me the world. You know what I'm saying, and and luckily I'm able. I practiced and I was able to play music. No, that's amazing. It's a, it's a it's a beautiful story. Your family story is incredible, and um, what what can we look forward to uh, with, with the Tony Saunders story? Okay, so I'm gonna tell you one other thing about my dad that you don't know. Okay, my dad had a record company with Will Chamberlain. Holy mackerel! In the Philadelphia. A warriors moved from Philadelphia to San Francisco. My dad was Wilt's best friend because um, wow. we were at the club. So we would keep his Bentley whenever he'd go on the road. And, and uh, you know, I have the, I can tell you that me and my dad beat Wilt and my brother in a basketball game. No way. No <laughs> in my, way. In my backyard. Of course, Wilt let us win. You know what I'm saying? But I would do, I would play basketball with him. We'd be out in front of my house playing football with Wilt. You know what I'm saying, and and uh, you know just just the nicest guy. Um, the the true epitome was that when we moved to L.A. with my mom, um, when my parents split up, we we are going to the to watch the 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 Lakers at the Forum, right? And so my friends are going, yeah, Tony, you know Wilt, 
get us in free. You know, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. So none of that happened, right? But mm-hmm. we all went there to see the Lakers, and we all had a great time. And we, 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 we they forgot about it because we had such a good time, right? So we're walking back across the parking lot, and I hear, we're walking to the bus stop, and I hear, hey, Tony, because Wilt stuttered. Hey, Tony. And so he noticed me by the back of my head. And so he drove up next to me, and he said, hey, do you want to ride home? I'll give you a ride home. I said, well, I got my friends with me, and I want I got to hang with them because we can't all fit in your car. But he, then he said, hey, tell your mom I'm going to come by on Wednesday because he loved my mom's pies. And so I'm going to tell her I'm going to come get a pie on Wednesday. So all of my friends are standing there like, you know, you know, we were sitting there moving around, and then Will drives up, noticing me by the back of my head, and he says, hey, well, you got the number, right? I said, yeah, you got the same number, right? And he goes, yeah, my number's not changed. And, and, and he goes, okay, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And he drove off. My friends were like, yeah, no kidding. Being the new kid at the school, you know what I mean? And telling this, I know Will Chamberlain. You know what I mean? And then we actually, he drives up. So at school Monday, everybody knew that Tony really does know Will Chamberlain. He knows him really good. He will call him by his first name, and he drove across the parking lot to catch up with Tony. And he said he could have went the other direction. And they said, Tony really knows him. So it was like, it made me, a, that was my first year at the school, Mount Vernon Junior High School. And it was my first year there, so it made me an instant celebrity. Yeah. It was cool. It made the girls like me and everything. It was, it was way cool. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? So that, that was one of the fun things. That kind of stuff happened to me my whole life. Wow. So you know, with all the amazing stuff in your bio, I, I have to thank you for actually mentioning in your bio that you were a music director on Rock Justice. Oh yeah, definitely. That was a lot of fun. We gotta find that song. I'm still looking for that song because yeah, I because yeah. I know it'd be relevant today. No, Rock Justice. That was a lot of fun because we had a we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, it was in the theater that I had been in as a kid watching Oscar Brown Jr. do his plays, and then my dad worked around the corner doing Big Time Buck White. You know, so it was like it meant a lot to me. And plus, every Keita Bill is one of my favorite singers ever. You know what I mean? And uh, so getting to, getting to meet, meet meet all those people. Remember the trouble we had with uh, Rick Derringer? Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me. Tell me. Well, the, the, the lead, uh, our girl lead singer, played Miss Justice, wound up marrying uh, Rick Derringer. And at one point, he was going to be in the show. Then he wasn't going to be in the show. Well, that's showbiz. Yep. Uh, but he, but he was he came out. I think he hung with us for a few days. It was cool. Yeah, that he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a, about a minute and yeah, well, we got a- left. So basically, I want to I want to thank you. So basically, incredible uh, interview. Your life is amazing. I mean, you've been for a long time, and I didn't know half of the story. Uh, is there anything you want to just mention at the end? Do you want to plug that you're doing in the future, or or anything else? Just that uh, I'm easily accessible. You can go to my website, which is TonySaunders.com. And, and if, you, if you hit me up and want, want to talk to me, I'll talk to you. You know, I'm usually, I'm usually really accessible. Um, and I like to help kids. I've done a lot of stuff with kids. One thing that, that you don't know, I coach football. I coach high school football at Tamai. 
for four wow. years, and um, you know, and I coached one year at San Rafael High, where I replaced the coach there that was legendary. His son played on the Chicago Bears, Brad Muster, and I replaced his dad at the at San Rafael High, and I coached at Tam for five years. You know, and I, I love I love Little League, Little League. I coached uh, the baseball team uh, after the police chief. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember his name um, right now. But but I coached his kids. You know, just so many things. I'm Mr. Community. I want to do that. And plus, I love to play music. So if nothing else, I'm easily accessible. My phone number's on my website. You can call me. And if it's if it's about stuff that I like, I'll do it. And thank, thank you. you guys for interviewing me. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you, Benny. It's been incredible. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Benny. It's been incredible. Great, great stories. No thank problem. You. Thank you.